VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Hey, and welcome to Go Green Radio. Great to have you on today. We are going to cover a topic that touches each and every one of this, and that is green stuff in the media. I can't pick up a newspaper, a magazine, or watch TV without seeing companies saying that they are green, that they have green products. And as a consumer, it's kind of tough to cut through the hype and know what's real and what's not. In fact, you know, I've been in the, the environmental industry for several years, and some of the advertisements I see for some of the companies saying they're green, I know that's not even true. <laughs> and so for, for all of us who just want to make good purchasing decisions, um, we really need to get educated on what uh, we can believe, what we can trust, what's credible out there in green media. And today we have three guests who are immersed in media, marketing, and they come from a number of different perspectives. And they're going to help us become more savvy consumers. I mean, sometimes I want to write a letter to everybody in corporate America and say, dear quasi-green product folks, um, I would love to buy your environmentally friendly products, but I'd like to know why you're green. What are your measurables? How many tons of greenhouse gas emissions are you emitting? How many barrels of oil are you using? How many gallons of water are you using? Give me some metrics of why you're green, and then I might purchase you, but Oh, by the way, I've got three kids to send to college, so please respect my family budget. Yours truly, every mom in America. And so we're going to try and get to the point today where we are smart consumers. We can cut through the hype. And though we can't cover everything in a one-hour show, we're going to try um, with the three guests that we have to, to help us become more educated consumers. Our first guest today is Renee DeLuca Dolan, and she is uh, my new Cleveland, Ohio BFF. Met her a couple of weeks ago. She's awesome. A brilliant young entrepreneur, and she has her own marketing firm, but she also is the founder and editor-in-chief of CBC Magazine. Welcome, Renee. Hi, Jill. It's great to have you on. Now, you're the CEO and editor of CBC Magazine. Tell us about that publication. CBC Magazine was started just a year and a half ago. Uh, CBC stands for Cleveland Business Connects, and we developed the publication for the corporate event, entrepreneur, and small business sector uh-huh. in Northeast Ohio. Um, as we were doing research for a magazine and a publication, we realized there was a great void in our area uh, for a publication like this that covered special events, and most of the other B2B publications in town weren't covering this material or catering to a younger professional or female business owner. And uh-huh. that's our niche, we feel, in the marketplace today. Well, and you also run a marketing firm. What kind of trends are you seeing in green marketing? What, you know, it's kind of an emerging industry. What, what are you seeing in your world? Well, it's interesting because um, as the president of a creative services firm, most of my clients or all of my clients are VPs of marketing, directors of marketing. So we are hands-on with them in implementing their marketing plans. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see what they're going through and what they're doing as far as green initiatives and green marketing. Um, One of our largest clients is the Cleveland Indians. And last year, they installed a solar electric system. Uh They partnered with uh, Green Energy Ohio at Progressive Field to go solar. 
And these solar panels provide, um, I think it's 8.4 kilowatts of clean, renewable electricity um, in northeast Ohio. So that's, you know, just one client. Um, And then another client is a a fine foods grocery store called Heinen's Family-Owned Business, and their green initiatives and green marketing is all about buying local. Uh And, Uh you know, maybe you're going to have to spend a little bit more in the organic products, but they're promoting not wasting the food. Well, and if it's locally grown, of course, that means a reduction in transportation of getting it from the farm to the marketplace. So there's some, you know, there's some environmental savings there. But when companies come to you and they want to market themselves as green, what's their strategy? I mean, when your clients come to you and say, we've done something great for the environment and we want to market that, what, what is their strategy? Well, I think currently, you know, they're looking at outlets, um, PR marketing opportunities to get the word out whether it's um, a campaign that isn't um, a direct mail campaign with traditional paper. There, a lot of our clients are doing more e-marketing campaigns, uh-huh. web video, doing non-traditional forms of marketing to get their message out that this is a greener, safer, more economical way to get a message across to their clients, vendors, consumers, you know, whoever the end user is of their product or service. Right. And, I mean, do they expect that type of marketing to increase revenues, or is it just a feel-good thing? Well, I think it's a combination of both. I think that, um, obviously, you, you want to put initiatives in place that will increase your revenues, but I think that it's a given that you're doing something good for the environment, you're doing something good for the community. If you start to initiate these um, green sustainability issues, and I think they're getting their clients and their customers saying, we want you to be more environmentally friendly. And I mm-hmm. think that's what's pushing the green marketing, at least here in Northeast Ohio. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we are just starting, it seems like, in the business community to get on the bandwagon, and that's all we're seeing is, you know, this company's going green. You know, they're recycling. They're, they're doing a number of different initiatives that they can across the board to get their message out and to promote that they're green because it, it really sets them apart. We don't have a lot of companies doing that yet here, so it's it's another marketing, even though it's a trend, it's a great marketing way to get their message out and to um, have that unique differentiation in their brand from their competitors. Sure. Well, and I mean, more and more consumers, and we're seeing a lot of market research on this, um, really take into account good corporate social responsibility, you know, the CSR of it all. Um, people want to patronize companies that, you know, share their values that are good for the community. So that's all part and parcel with that same mindset. Now, in CBC Magazine, you have started to include a green page, which is really cool. Tell us about some of the articles that you've covered on the green page. Well, it's interesting. We just started this um, initiative two months ago. Um, It's called In the Green. And when we started it, it was just a one-page feature. And we are getting so many news releases, phone calls, emails, letters that companies in the area want to be a part of that. And we're covering, you know, everything from um, companies initiating their own sustainability business practices to state or local announcements on environmental policy um, to environmental products. Um, wow. We, Yeah, in, in our June issue, um, we actually featured Earth Day initiatives by local companies. So what we did is we sent out an email blast um, right before Earth Day and said, tell us about any initiatives you're doing for Earth Day. And we got some really interesting feedback. There was a local um, shoe store who had promoted earth-friendly products and a special promotion by any purchase of $100 or more 
they, the customer would receive a special edition eco-tote. Oh, wow. Right, and I thought that was really neat. And each time that customer comes back and uses that bag, they're donating, um, I think it's 10 cents or 15 cents to the Western Reserve Land Conservancy, Conservancy here in Northeast Ohio. That's great. That's great. Well, what else have you covered on your green page? Um, another thing that we've been doing is talking about some of the different, um, one of them, our June issue featured uh, the food and beverage industry. Mm-hmm. And again, we did a story on local farmers markets and how supporting the local farmers is not only good for the local economy, but also saves energy. Um, this month for the manufacturing and engineering issue, we're preparing a few different features on um, manufacturing processes discussing the City of Cleveland sustainability manager who mm-hmm. was just hired a couple years ago by the City of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. He's actually going to be on our cover um, and talking about, um, you know, all of the things that are going on in the city and what we can do to be more sustainable. That's excellent. Now, you know, you just mentioned that you get a lot of emails and, and phone calls for people who want to be featured in your green page. How do you and your staff evaluate what you'll write about? What's a good story and how, what's your process for evaluating um, what you're going to actually include on the green pages? Well, you know, we're very fortunate to have a lot of leaders um, in the community supporting our magazine and our editorial advisory board. Um, there's about 12 to 15 of them, and they're instrumental in sending us news and information either in their own specific industry because they represent everything from manufacturing to development to education. Um, and then we've also partnered with a number of local organizations, Team Neo and Green City Blue Lake, um, to assist in providing announcements about what's going on in the community as far as sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the popularity of the page, many companies and media groups, they're just sending press releases on a daily basis mm-hmm. about their initiatives or events, and we're trying to keep the information varied. So we're not just co- going to cover all the development-type um, green initiatives and not all the um, initiatives that may be a manufacturing company. So we look for diversity uh-huh. in the information, um, and we, we every month we ask for requests for different information on um, sustainability programs that are going on in the community. So we, we are definitely not lacking content for the page. We've actually increased it to a full spread now. Wow, that's pretty awesome. And, and from a marketing standpoint for your own magazine, how do you think that adding a green page has benefited you? I mean, this would be advice to, to other media outlets. Um, how, how has it benefited your magazine, you think? Well, initially, you know, in the first issue, it, w- it was an idea that came from an editorial advisory member that nobody else was doing this. So, again, that sets us apart from the other B2B publications in Cleveland by us doing an in-the-green segment, printing our magazine on recycled content. And what it's also done now is it's starting to provide additional advertising revenue because people are seeing the articles and they want to advertise and they want to sponsor that particular spread. That's awesome. So everybody listening who has anything to do with the publication, heed Renee's uh, advice here, adding green to your portfolio um, is good for business. <laughs> what advice would you give, Renee, um, to consumers who feel sort of inundated with green marketing? I mean, how can they be sure that the companies that tout themselves as green are truly genuine? What, what criteria would you give them? What advice? Well, I think, in, in, you know, specifically I can talk about our industry and the creative sector, marketing. We do a lot of printing. I look for companies that have certifications. Like whether, what? you know, again, in my industry it would be, you know, printing things with soy inks, using recycled content paper, 
being FSC certified. So I think cert- certifications for different products or services are really important. Like the, um, I had found an article online that I thought was really interesting about um, an Energy Star product. I think it was by Philips mm-hmm. had developed a light bulb, and um, they were really struggling with it was a compact uh, fluorescent light getting the sales up on that. And once they went to um, the EPA's Energy Star labeling system, the uh-huh. sales climbed like 12 to 15 percent. That's awesome. That's awesome. And last week we had a guest on who is an environmental attorney who's involved in product labeling and, and basically making sure that you know, companies that are using certain labels are truly um, authorized to do so. And so I do think labeling helps a great deal. And I think we're going to see some consolidation of that labeling because right now um, there are some labels that really make no sense. Um, and, and when... For instance, she was talking about something that's hypoallergenic, may or may not be, and, and consumers need to understand what those certifications mean. And in a lot of cases, it's a simple Google search. Uh, right. But right now, you know, we don't have that one-stop shopping for all things green, and, and I'd like to see that happen in the near future. But, um, you know, as a marketing expert, do you foresee a time when media is going to be so saturated with green marketing that it will no longer serve as a competitive edge for companies? Well, it, it, you know, in, in, in my opinion, I think as a corporation we have a social responsibility to become a core component for corporate brands and deal with the responsibility of a company's footprint and reducing risk and enhancing our brand. But I think we have to walk the walk and know how to talk the talk because mm-hmm. I, I print a magazine that has 52 pages in it um, every month, and that's distributed to 20,000 businesses and um, the equivalency of what we're housing in paper is something like 30,000 pounds. And if that wasn't recycled content, you know, how can I now start to promote and be a green marketer if I'm not even using green initiatives on my own products or services? Yep. Well, thank you so much, Renee. This was great, and we really appreciate you coming on. Stay with us. We'll be back right after the break. This is Go Green Radio. I'm your host, Jill Buck. Thanks, Renee. Thanks, Jill. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Now, Mrs. Johnson, before we close on your mortgage loan, I want to make sure you remember Mike. Hi. You can trust me. I'm African-American, just like you. So here's the low monthly payments and interest rates we promised, and here's where they triple. The rest of this stuff is just here to make sure that we get your house when you can't pay us back. What a lovely house. Predatory lenders are never this easy to spot. Call us at 866-222-FAIR and protect yourself with the facts. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Fair Housing Alliance and the Ad Council. Do you need help getting a grant? 
Join the grant doctor, Bev Browning, for the program Get a Grant right here on Voice America. Each week, Dr. Bev takes you through an hour of timely topics for grant seekers, writers, and researchers. You'll learn everything there is to know about grants, grant writing, and funding. You won't have to keep asking, where's the money? And how do I get it for my organization? Get a Grant with Dr. Bev Browning is heard every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Hey, welcome back, Go Green Radio listeners. We are talking about green media today, how to cut through the hype, how to know what's real, how to evaluate companies who say they're green, want us to buy their stuff, and how do we become smart, savvy consumers. And we just talked to Renee DeLuca-Dolan, who is a marketing and, um, and media guru out in Cleveland, Ohio, and we are about to bring on one of my buddies from New York, uh, Galia Orzari, how are you? Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, my how pleasure, Galia. <laughs> I'm good. It's always great to talk with you. Now, Galia, you write for a website called DemoDirt.com. Tell us about that webpage and how you became a writer for them. Well, I created DemoDirt.com to provide information about the latest in demographic news and trends. Mm-hmm. including consumer spending habits, and I also cover information on race, religion, politics, um, the gay and lesbian community, mm-hmm. generations X, Y, boomers, matures, and um, other cohorts. Um, because green consumerism is so huge, yep. I feature yeah, I feature that as well, and that's gotten its own page on my website. And I often find actually an overlap between, you know, it's not just a green story. It'll be a a story about boomers going green or how, um, this was a surprise, how matures who are older than boomers actually recycle more more faithfully than Generation Y, which are the younger kids. That's so so interesting. That's why I love your website because it does bring all of that together. I mean, the environment isn't something separate. It's the air that we breathe, the water we drink. It's a human-centric topic. And I love the way that Demo Dirt brings together um, the very human side of environmental protection, you know, kind of the what's-in-it-for-us perspective. Now, you write a lot of environmental stories. And, in fact, uh, you know, you and I have talked about several. But tell us about, you know, a couple of of your favorite stories that you've covered. What what, uh, has been your favorite and why? Okay, well, you know, my, the first green story I covered 
was actually, you know, it, it was interesting. I had found a study that said that um, people who grow their own produce have an easier time getting their children to eat their fruits and vegetables. And I was like, wow, this is the ultimate in buying locally, you know. Um, yeah. I, I thought that was really great. So when I, you know, when I started my, my website and I um, had found that study and I wanted to cover it, I called it Garden Fed Kids. And um, I really didn't have a place to put it. And when I create, I was like, okay, I'll create the green page, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. this, this is uh, environmental and, and um, it, it's promoting um, good. So... Sure. That was um, that was one of my favorites because it was my first. <laughs> <laughs> the and, first child um, is always your favorite. <laughs> yeah, and um, then after getting my feet wet with that, I um, covered uh, produce prejudice at the fruit stand, which examined buyer preferences for um, conventional versus organics based on cosmetics. Uh-huh. I interviewed experts in the field of um, organics and asked them, you know, how important is it that an apple be beautiful? And mm-hmm. they found that when it comes to organic versus conventional, um, products like oranges that you're going to peel, they're mm-hmm. it's not as important that they look perfect. But people do tend to be prejudiced against the less attractive produce. And um, now with organic um, fruit and vegetables becoming more available and people being more open-minded about trying them, basically... One of my experts said uh, he thinks once people taste organic and see that it tastes better, it mm-hmm. won't matter what it looks like. And they're actually starting to look a little better, too. Well, and that's so. interesting because a lot of our listeners are out there evaluating that every week as they go to the produce section of their local market and saying, well, you know, I love this bright, shiny apple, and this one looks a little different. But if they knew about the taste, I mean, and that's really a message that needs to get out there. That's really what you want is food that tastes good, and and, and that's a really important story. Yeah. Um, you and I talked about a story that reminded me, you may be too young to even remember this song, but, you know, I'm too sexy for my clothes. All right. <laughs> so, and, and I remember the story that we were talking about, you know, how there's some opposite gender appeal to being green. Remember that oh, story? Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. That was, was a fun sexy. one. Yeah it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was one of the latest stories, and that was about how the green car is a chick magnet, <laughs> you know, and, and it's no longer, and, and it's been actually anecdotal, too, that a friend of mine told me that a guy friend of hers, he is, he was, like, selling his Ferrari or whatever hotshot car he had because he had no success with the women. And <laughs> he, he found that, you know, the hi, all the hybrid guys were getting the ladies. <laughs> and I thought that was great, you know. Oh, I mean, <laughs> that's awesome. So I'm too sexy for my hybrid should be the next version of that song. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's, that would be much more current. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your research method? I mean, you probably could cover a million stories a day, but how do you evaluate Evaluate what a good story is for, well, for your I, environmental topics. Okay, well, when a, a good story for an environmental topic is it, number one, I think I really when I think it's an important message out there. You know, if a study comes out saying it's really not more expensive to go green, you know, mm-hmm. it's affordable. There are ways to go green. I'm going to say, wow, I'm, I got to call Joe. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's talk about this and get this out. So if I see it, it's something that I think a lot of people should know about. I'll definitely look into it, and that's when I, you know, that's when I contact experts like you <laughs> and, 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 and want to discuss it. Um, a, another thing might be 
because I cover the latest in consumer trends and, and buying, um, you know, products and services, I I want to see if it's something relevant to the audience. If it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, like one thing, this is another overlapping issue. You know, the mommy culture is huge. Yeah. And when I started seeing, you know, surveys about what's important to moms, I noticed, oh, it's important to get, you know, organic baby food. It's important to get clothes for children that, you know, with organic cotton that, you know, doesn't have pesticides. Right. Uh, pe- pesticide residue in it or that's made with dye that's all natural. And um, when I started covering the mommy culture, I, you know, that overlapped a lot of green. So then I'm going to say, okay, well, I'm going to speak with, you know, a top mommy blogger about um, what are moms really looking for. And um, that, so it's, it, it depends on, you know, what I think is relevant to mm-hmm. my, my readers and, um, and what I think is important to get to, you know, for people to learn about. Well, and you bring up a couple of good points. First of all, when we talk about the mommy culture, women in general make up 85% of who is consuming household goods, who's going out there and buying them. So when you're talking about textiles, clothing and things like that, or products around the house, you're talking to women. 85% of those purchases are made by women, and a lot of them are moms or grandmothers, and, and they're concerned about the effect on their family and their children. And so that's a huge piece of the market that needs to have this information so they can be discriminating consumers. But your first point of affordability, I think, is key. I mean, you know, it's not possible for everybody to be those diehard environmental consumers who will spare no expense to get the greenest, greatest product. There really is a need for eco-friendly, affordable products out there as well. Right. And I love the fact that you cover those kind of stories because that's, you know, that's what we need more than anything is you know, products that meet both those needs, ones I can afford so I'm not sacrificing something else like sending my kids to college, right. um, and, and also ones that I can be sure, products I can be sure are really, truly green. Well, what do you hope, when you write a story, what do you hope your readers are going to do as a result of reading your work? I mean, I know you, and you're an action person. When you write a story, in, in a perfect world, what do you hope that your readers are going to know? What are they going to do about the stories you write? Well, I hope that the stories show them that these things are doable and that this is something that is not just a fad, mm-hmm. that you know, this is definitely a way of life. It's a viable way of life. And I think that when people say, you know, when, when people read a survey or they read a story and they say, oh, wow, the majority of people are recycling, the majority of people feel this way, um, you know, it, it's, I guess it's a little bit of peer pressure, but yep. it's, it's also showing them, you know what, this is completely doable, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when I write a story about how, you know, I, I wrote a story called Green Minds Think Alike, and um, for that story, I interviewed uh, you know, a marketing professor who said, you know, it's, it's huge, the uh, reusable grocery bags. Yeah. You know, and that's yep. something that, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't occur to a lot of people, surprisingly. Well, you're right. And, and that is, I mean, now I live in California, and it's becoming a fashion statement. Right. You walk up to the grocery store with your reusable bags. I mean, you're cool if you do yeah. that. And so I think, you know, that's going to happen elsewhere, but, you know, that is, I think that is the beginning of a big trend 
Um, and, and that comes from a mindset of waste not, want not. I mean, that's an age-old adage, thanks to Benjamin Franklin, you know, waste not, want not. Why waste all these bags if we have an alternative that's easy to use and affordable? I mean, I'm not going to pay $15 for, you know, a, a tote bag that I can bring my groceries back and forth from home with. But if there's an affordable option out there that makes me feel good, then that's what I want to, that's what I want to buy. And you cover a lot of stories that I think really help educate consumers on a variety of different ideas. There's a lot of people out there who have this general concept, I want to go green, but they don't know how. You know, what, what are the ways? What's a way that will work in my life? And your stories are so relevant. Um, now, besides me, because I love talking to you about your stories, what <laughs> sources do you use to sort of validate or to comment on your environmental stories? Where do you look for advice? Well, um, Tim Cruz is a uh, professor. Excuse me, a professor of agricultural ecology mm-hmm. at um, Prescott College in Arizona. He is um, he's who I speak to about the science of ag- organic agriculture and the environment. Uh-huh. He, um, he actually told me, you know, it's a good thing if you find a bug or two in your lettuce. Like that's fine, and it should be there. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I interviewed him um, for a couple stories. One of which was the pretty produce, produce prejudice at the fruit stand story. Uh-huh. Um, Dr. Gail Feenstra is um, a food systems analyst and nutritionist at UC Davis, and she's an expert in organics and sustainable agriculture. Uh-huh. And so when it's when it has to do with a science based article. I'll I'll look for researchers. I'll try to contact the researcher for the um, the study that I found. But if it's something about green trends, you know who's buying what, how you know how big is the eco trend, then one of my favorite sources is a marketing professor at Golden Gate University. Her name is um, Michal Ann Strahi Levitz, and she's uh-huh. great. One of her specialties is green consumerism and companies that go green, shades of green. Um, you know, what's a light green company versus a dark green company. And uh, Michal Ann Strahi-Levitz is definitely um, one of the – I think she's, she's one of my favorite voices when it comes to, um, when it comes to that area of, of marketing. And she also lives it. You know, like she, she told me, you know, I have my bright, colorful, colorful Whole Foods reusable <laughs> bag. And, and she, too, like you, she said, it's a fashion statement. She lives That's in right. California as well. And That's she said, right. you know, Everyone's toting these around. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, everybody, check out www.demodirt.com. Check out Galia's articles. They're awesome. You'll, you'll feel a lot smarter about being an eco-friendly consumer. Thanks, Galia, for joining us. Thank you, Jill. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? 
Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. World-renowned cosmetic surgeon and scientist, Dr. Andrew G. Berman, hosts Beauty in America, broadcasting every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. What is beauty? How is it viewed in a cross-cultural context? And what is the role of plastic surgery in society, careers, and life? Expert guests join Dr. Berman to discuss historic and current concepts of beauty and plastic surgery, as well as trends, advances, and gimmicks. Beauty in America with Dr. Andrew G. Berman finds out what is real and what is hype right here on the Voice America channel, Fridays at 2 p.m. When you have a stroke, you may not even notice it right away, but then time passes and the symptoms get worse. One minute you feel fine and the next, your speech could be slurred or not make sense. One side of your body might become numb. You might see double. You drop the TV remote because you can't hold up your arm. That's because after a stroke, every minute you don't get help is another minute that your brain is being starved of oxygen. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face, arm, or leg, sudden trouble seeing, speaking, or understanding. If you experience any of these warning signs, call 911 immediately because time lost is brain lost. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Hello and welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today we are talking about how to become smart consumers and cut through all the hype that's going on with all the green media and green marketing out there and how we can evaluate what's real and what's just greenwashing. And I am really excited to have our next guest on. He's a buddy of mine, one of my favorite New Yorkers, and his name is Kenny Luna. I love him to pieces. Um, Welcome, Kenny. Hey, Jill. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Now, Kenny writes for one of the most successful green websites out there, and I'm sure you have all heard of treehugger.com. Kenny, tell us about that website and why it's so wildly successful. Well, you know, Treehugger is, is, is uh, a website that's, that's devoted to helping, you know, green go mainstream. Um, and we, we're positive and we're, we're, we're cutting edge. We love to find the most interesting new things possible. Um, and it just ends up being that, you know, uh, Tree Hugger has grown over the last couple of years. I mean, people love the positive, upbeat, um, you know, way that we investigate stuff. And, well, and a lot of 
like mainstream media sources quote you, don't they? I mean, you've become sort of the media's media on on green subjects, haven't you? Very true. In fact, you know, New York Times, Time Magazine, uh, People Magazine, a list of different folks ended up quoting us uh, on all sorts of different topics. So there's about uh, 40 of us or maybe 50 of us writers now um, across the globe who end up, you know, all kinds of different material, all specialists in different areas. Um, and we just, you know, it's been a great experience. Now, how did you become a writer for treehugger.com? Actually, I ended up uh, becoming a writer on accident. Uh, it wasn't really on purpose. I was actually started a campaign. I'm actually a teacher by trade, and I had started a campaign to give every kid in America a compact fluorescent light bulb to help stop global warming, and I ended up being uh, featured on Treehugger. And uh, through that, they ended up asking, you know, eventually I ended up being asked if I wanted to write for them, and I wasn't really sure at first. Uh, and so I kind of had to think about it, and I said yes. Uh, and it was uh, one of the best things I ever did because I really enjoyed doing it. Tell us more about that light bulb project because I know that that was a really cool project. I, I've talked to you about it a lot, but our listeners would love to hear about it. What is that project? Well, that was a couple years back when we started. Uh, we were asking Oprah to help give every every child in America a complex fluorescent light bulb. Um, what happened was Oprah had done a show of Leo DiCaprio and and, uh, and Michael Oppenheimer from Princeton. Uh, asking to, you know, you know, she is making people aware of what global warming was. About three years ago, most folks were not really aware of it. it had not gone mainstream. Uh, the Inconvenient Truth did not exist. Uh, the HBO documentary Too Hot Not to Handle did not exist. Uh, it was not in the newspapers every day. And most folks were not really too aware of the situation. And so we really wanted to get folks involved. And my students and I, we held a press conference. We asked Topher for help. Uh, we got Home Depot involved. All kinds of positives started to happen. And we ended up giving a light bulb to every kid in North Babylon, which is our district or my district. Uh, and unfortunately, we ended up getting uh, Oprah to help give every kid in America a light bulb. But we certainly spread the word about global warming to a tremendous number of people and, and, and ended up with, it, with a tremendously positive impact because of it. That, that's a great story. And, and Oprah, if you're listening, get in touch with Kenny. It's a great idea. We need to get a CFL light bulb in the hands of every child in America. What a difference that would make. Did you quantify the difference it would make? I think you did. Um, if, if every child had one light bulb, what kind of energy savings uh, could be realized? It was tremendous. And I forget the number off the top of my head, but it was trem- the, the, the impact is tremendous because the light bulbs make such a big difference. They use so much less energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go so much less carbon dioxide back at the back at the power plant. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of people don't realize. You know, you know, it's interesting. A lot of folks don't realize about the compact fluorescent light bulbs. Um, they see reports about the, the the amount of mercury that's in them. Uh, there's a, just a trace amount of mercury that are in those light bulbs. Uh, right. In fact, if you, back at the back at the if you use a regular a regular incandescent light bulb, um, the, the the power companies give up way more mercury into the air um, than is put into that tiny little bit into that light bulb into that mm-hmm. light bulb. You definitely want to switch over if you haven't switched over already. Well, and you're hearing a lot. I mean, this being a presidential election year about energy plans and, you know, all the things that they're talking about with alternative energy sources. But, you know, part of the whole equation is energy conservation. And as simply um, as it is, as simple as it is to change your light bulb, I mean, that could reduce our demand for energy altogether, which is a huge part of the equation in terms of, you know, talking about energy independence and something as simple as changing to CFL light bulbs could have a tremendous impact. It's being smarter. You know, that's the thing. It's being smarter. And I think that so many folks haven't understood that yet, or maybe they didn't quite grasp it yet. We're not, we're not asking people to start to do with less. We're asking people to be smarter about it. Right, right. 
smarter way, to live better. You know, that's what we're looking for. Well, and I think you underscore the same point that I do when I'm out talking about the Go Green Initiative, my environmental education program, which is it's not so much about doing new things. It's about doing the things you already do in a more eco-friendly way. Everybody's got to change a light bulb at some point. So put in a CFL bulb. You know, when you're done with a piece of paper, you could either put it in the trash or recycle it. it. You have choices. So it's not about turning your life upside down and living like a caveman. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about doing things um, just a little bit differently, but the same things. You know, I mean, we were talking earlier on the show about, you know, some products and things that people buy. You know, I buy kitchen and bathroom cleaners you know, all the time, and I can choose to buy green ones or I can choose to buy ones that are more toxic, that send chemicals down the drain that I don't want in our water supply. But I'm going to buy those cleansers. So, you know, it's, it's about simple choices, really, and helping to educate consumers on what are those better choices. If you're going to do it anyway, if you're going to change a light bulb, what's the eco-friendly way to do it? And I love the way you cover that. Um, and speaking of that, uh, you guys are really, you really have quite a following. How many web hits are you getting a month these days? We're getting about, uh, about 8 million, about 8 million oh. a month it looks like. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. And one of the things I think that keeps people coming back is that you allow people to interact, um, you know, on your blog and so many others. Um, people are able to, to comment, and I think that interaction and that, dialogue that you have started with treehugger.com is so appealing to the population. I think that's what's really driving it. So when you see what readers of your articles are saying, what are they saying? What are their interests and concerns? Well, you know, it depends on the article that, that, that I've written. Um, you know, it, it, people, folks are, are very aware of what's going on, and, and, but there's a broad range of, of, of folks who are, who are at different stages of, of Becoming more environmentally conscious, um, and and so you, you get a broad range of questions as far as to you know about any given thing that you might put out there uh, on a on a post or an article about how can how can I get involved? What can I do? How does this work in this situation? How does this help? Uh, you know, what if we did this too? Uh, you know, so there's a lot of different people who who add stuff, and it really helps to add to the conversation because then you get different points of view from folks that you may not have have anticipated yourself. Um, mm-hmm. You also never know what will happen. I, I, I'll give you a perfect example. I, I wrote a post uh, about two weeks ago. Um, there's a group of kids who are, who are who are folks who are protesting at the University of uh, at Berkeley, at the University of California at Berkeley. That's it's, weird. It's, yeah, <laughs> a protest happens, at Berkeley. Right? I live 25 miles from Berkeley. Very conservative place. They never never yeah, want to rock the boat. But that's so weird. Yeah, <laughs> they never sure. do that. <laughs> there's been a legal battle over this small section of woods. Uh, there's some trees there that that uh, group protesters trying to trying to protect. They've been living in the trees um, over the last 18 months while there's been a, a protracted legal battle going on between the, the school and the town over whether or not they can take those trees down to build a new athletic field or to expand the athletic field, whatever it may be. And so what's happened is that these folks have been living in the trees for about 18 months. And they've been cycling this group and they've been cycling in and out, uh, and things have you know kind of. Been at a standstill between university officials and these, and these protesters. Mm-hmm. Recently, the, the, the university officials decided they were going to cut off all their food and water um, to try and, you know, basically starve them out of the trees. <laughs> Come down! <laughs> Come down! Yes, yes, again, could work. And one story. So, so as, as we're moving forward, the folks in the trees began throwing human feces down yeah. at the university officials, 
And, you know, that does no good to the environmental movement whatsoever. <laughs> um, you know? Yeah, that's really not the face of the environmental movement we want out there. <laughs> no, in 2000, that is not, back in the, in the, in the 60s when folks were doing some, some, some strange stuff, that may have been the face. That is not the face of the environmentalists in 2008. <laughs> no. and so, you know, I wrote a post excoriating, saying this is ridiculous. You know, there's no reason for this. It's beyond beyond uh, anything that anyone would deem even remotely reasonable. And you've just given up all the credit, any any credibility you had for the 18 months that you were you were protesting. You, know, you just gave up by throwing human feces. Right. Um, and you know, an enormous number of people read the post, and and you know, you oftentimes you find that you get the response from that very small group. Um, and I was ripped to shreds by a very, very small but vocal group of folks um, who, who really felt that I was, you know, how dare I criticize anyone <laughs> who is doing anything to protest the removal of trees. And, you know, we write, I write for TreeHugger.com, but, you know, TreeHugger, that was, that was created tongue-in-cheek. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I mean, unless they're making the argument that somehow they're fertilizing the trees they're trying to save, I, I really don't see how that advances the movement <laughs> at all. You know, it just so so. You know, we try. You know, but even no matter when you write to a broad audience, you find that there's always going to be some small group of folks that really think differently than you expect. Well, exactly. I mean, we even saw that in presidential politics. The Ron Paul folks would would you know, get together and inundate, you know, any Internet interaction they possibly could. We kept seeing it, you know, like on the debates when you could call in and vote for who you thought the winner was. You know, it was always like 65% of people thought Ron Paul won the, won the debate, but it was because his group just kept calling in and texting. So, Kenny, we're going to bring you back for the next segment. Don't go away, but uh, check out www.treehugger.com. But we'll be right back after this break with Kenny Luna. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? or 14%. Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Hi, my name is Aaron, and I'm a survivor of mannequinism. Mannequinism is basically when you turn into a hard plastic shell. This saves from not being politically active. For me, it started when I didn't register to vote, and then I stopped volunteering, and before I knew it, I wasn't doing anything. And that's when I found a small patch of plastic on my right shoulder. Protect yourself from mannequinism. Log on to fightmannequinism.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. 
Do you know what the most complex piece of your business capital investment is? Is it the technology? Is it the infrastructure? Could it be the office and corporate structure? The most complex piece of your business capital investment is the human being. Return on Human Capital is a unique program that discusses some of the most important issues facing leaders in business. Join your hosts, Howard Pines and Jay Santamaria, for Return on Human Capital, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. We are talking about green media today, how to evaluate what's good, what's hype, what's greenwashing, and what's real. And we are on with Kenny Luna, who is a writer for treehugger.com. Kenny, welcome back after the break. Thank you. You know, Kenny, you did a really cool project just recently called The Great Copy Machine Epidemic, and I want you to tell our listeners all about that. That was so fun. You know, The Great Copy Machine Epidemic was something I started. Um, this year, actually in April, uh, we held a day of action in schools to stop global warming. And I wanted to find a way to figure out um, how, I could, how I could mobilize schools, K-12 schools. You know, colleges are notorious um, for, for being a hotbed for activism and folks getting involved in all kinds of social movements. Um, but the, the K-12 setting is not, not that way. And I was looking to find out how I could pull it off and so, I, you know, we had, done the, we had done the light bulb thing a while back, and I was kind of ready to move on uh, to my next project. And, and so what happened was I said, you know, what if we took, what if we took um, the school photocopy machine, which is the, the, the heart and soul of so much of what goes on inside of the school as far as mm-hmm. all the things that are, that are printed out and all the things that are done, um, what if we focused on it? You know, what if we asked people to make one small change for one day um, that made a big difference to them? Mm-hmm. And just for that one day, when I, you know, when I asked them to, ask to change the world forever, I asked them for one day if they made a decision. And really what we're trying to do is get them to think about you know, all the other small decisions they make every day that makes a difference. And I want it to be fun. And it has to be about global warming because we have to get schools involved if we're going to do something about it. Um, you know, I mean, climate change is such a huge issue, and it can be so overwhelming, and, and, and especially to kids who don't quite always know what's going on. And so I said, you know, what, what, if, we, what if we pretended that a virus, a uh, contagious virus, an unknown contagious virus, had hit school photocopy machines uh, and had asked, you know, had, it was, was caused, it wasn't the people that were causing it to chew up all these trees and spit them out as paper, but it was this virus instead. Right? <laughs> <laughs> a unique, different take. You know, and, that, and that's why I said, well, what if we did that? What if we asked them to shut down the photocopy machines for a day to solve the crisis? You know, I had to dress up the machine with the, with the disease of their choice. So we're asking them to, 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 to diagnose the machine and say, you know, what disease is it that's causing these machines to show up, to show up trees? And, uh, and they would diagnose it by dressing it up. They could dress it up any way that they wanted to. Um, and then take a picture and, you know, submit it to us. And mm-hmm. put it up on the website and people can come and vote. And uh, it's actually greatcopyepidemic.com. 
uh, and people come come and vote, and they can check out and see, you know, what all these different schools are doing. But the idea was to get schools doing something, mm-hmm. okay, in a concerted action, and we did that. You know, in, in just three weeks' time, uh, we I actually was on the fence about going forward with it or not. We had a couple of things going on in the background. I said, you know, let's just go with it. And in three weeks' time, we organized 30 schools across 13 U.S. states to get involved. That's awesome. And what kinds of, you know, what kinds of creative things did they come up with? What were some of the pictures that you got? Oh, we had, uh, you know, chicken pox to, uh, you know, the carbon, uh, well, the one that one was carbon footprint swollen, uh, swollenitis. <laughs> had huge, huge feet on the, uh, put onto the, onto the uh, photocopy machine, put under quarantine. They had the kids dressed up as doctors. Uh, diagnosing it with stethoscopes and needles and stuff. It, it was it was just it, terrific. Um, you know, this, just the creativity that they came up with. Uh, well, yeah. that's awesome. And you you essentially shut down photocopy machines for a day in all those schools across thirteen states. You yeah. know, and that's that's huge because one of the biggest um, items in any school's waste stream is paper. I mean, it makes up a huge percentage of a school's waste stream. So you had a direct impact on alleviating that piece of the waste stream for a day. And, and I think schools that participated in it, because I got to see some of the results of this as well through the Go Green initiative, um, schools began to think about, you know, past this one day of this program, which is totally fun, what could we be doing to reduce the amount of paper that we waste um, and that we use, and, and could we be buying recycled content paper? So your program really got people thinking, on a much larger scale than just a one-day event, and that's what made it so cool. Well, Kenny, if you could have your dream article, who or what would you love to cover in a story and why? Well, you're asking a smile. My, 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 my beat on Tree Hugger is, is, is education. You know, I have kids in education, and that's what I focus on. But I'll tell you, if I, if I had one person who I could see interviewed um, or if I could interview myself, uh, it would be Warren Buffett. Um, really? Why is that? Because, he, you know, I... No one is asking the man. He is, you know, he is the, the, the leading authority on investment and finance in the United States, and yet no one is asking the man how he expects climate change to impact uh, our economic growth. And, you know, he's incredibly intelligent. Uh, he's well-read. He knows more than, 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 than most anyone about the financial markets. And, you know, our system, capitalism, you know, drives this country. And... Now, unfortunately, climate change is going to have a very real and negative impact. And I think that the person who should be asked that question is him. Um, I, was at, I was at his annual meeting a couple years back where his partner actually broke it up, uh, brought it up, and said, you know, that, that, that you know, just, just alluded to the fact that this was actually three years ago now before it really became mainstream and just said, you know, yeah. whatever this is with global warming, it's not, it's not going to be good for our economic system. And, right, uh, and, and you, know, you bring and up a great point, Kenny, that there's nothing like the power of the purse to change what needs to be changed. Um, you know, government regulation plays a role in environmental protection, but it really isn't going to be until, you know, consumers exercise the power of the purse to say, this is what we'll buy, this is what we won't buy, and, you know, and, and have sort of the positive piece of the economic issue around global warming. Um, that, that we really are going to see the change. Kenny, I, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Please check out www.treehugger.com. Thanks, Kenny, so much. Um, I really want to hear from you, folks. Um, I've got all kinds of emails coming in, um, gogreenradio at gmail.com. And next week, 
we're going to be talking about your questions. Ask me anything, and we're going to bring it up. We're going to have a special segment next week where we talk to our listeners directly. And what I hope you took away from today's show was that green media is everywhere, but we're smart enough and we are capable enough of cutting through what is real and what's not. So I hope you'll check out our guests and their website today, uh, www.demodirt.com for Gallia and treehugger.com for Kenny. Become a smart consumer. Get out there and go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.